I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. They're struggling. I mean, these kids feel things more intensely than the average person. And so all of the things that we are feeling, they are feeling at a intensified level. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and I am so excited to be back. You may have noticed if you're a longtime listener of this show that I took a little break, uh, really the first substantial break I've taken in producing this podcast in almost five years. But while I was on break from releasing new episodes, I actually did a ton of interviews, which I will be sharing with you over the next few months, including conversations with Jessica Leahy, Julie Lithcott-Hames, Mercedes Samudio, Roberto Olivardia, and many more. Today on the podcast, I am excited to be bringing you a conversation about supporting the unique needs of gifted and 2E learners during COVID. My guest is Heather Borman, a licensed clinical social worker, speaker, author, and advocate who, through her experience as a therapist and as a mother, is particularly passionate about working with kids on the fringes and their families. Heather hosts the Fringy Bid podcast and is the author of the Gifted Kids Workbook, Mindfulness Skills to Help Kids Reduce Stress, Balance Emotions, and Build Confidence. Though we've talked a lot on this podcast about supporting all kinds of kids through this long, ongoing pandemic, I wanted to have an episode focused specifically on Gifted and 2E Kids. Heather brings so many amazing insights to this conversation, providing a framework to understand how the uncertainty and changes during this last year might affect these unique kids, and she gives her best strategies for addressing both their needs and your needs as a parent. And now, here is my conversation with Heather. Hello, Heather. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank 
you. I'm so excited to be here, not just on your podcast, but just to get to talk to you again. I know. <laughs> I know. I was thinking it was Texas in July, yep. I believe, for a SANG. <laughs> I don't know why we went to Texas in July, but we did. Uh, no, for a SANG conference where you were being honored, and it was really lovely to get to hang out with you. Thank you. Yeah, it was good too, because we had talked, I think. Well, yeah, you had been on my podcast, and then um, it was good to meet you in person. I always love seeing people in real life after I've known them a little bit yeah. online. So, and, and now we're not seeing anybody in real life again. So <laughs> that's true. There you go. <laughs> and we're all scared what it's going to be like when we do see people in real life again. <laughs> that is also true. Also true. Well, you know, I would love if you could just take a, a few minutes and tell us a little bit more about kind of who you are and the work that you do in the world. And then we'll, we'll get into the content for today. Sounds great. So yes, I am Heather Borman. I am a licensed clinical social worker um, who works in Western Wisconsin. And it's somewhat of a rural practice. I've had my practice for 11 years. This is actually my office manager just reminded me today is my 11th anniversary. So happy anniversary. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I started out as just kind of general mental health. And then my oldest son, I have three kids. My oldest son, who's 15 now, when he was three, started asking me questions that I couldn't quite answer. So I went to a gifted conference um, to just learn more about how his brain was working. And at that point, the whole world of the psychosocial needs of our gifted and 2E kids opened up to me. And um, from that point on, I have been trying to raise awareness and understanding of Giftedness as being a neurodiversity and not just being the smart kid in class and that there's far more um, that we as gifted individuals need in terms of support emotionally, cognitively, relationally um, than what really most of the population understands. So from that, I now have a generally specialize in working with gifted and 2E kids and adults and their families um, and I'm trying to muddle my way through raising my own gifted family <laughs> and 2E family. Um, and then I write and podcast. Well, I have written and podcast at the Fringy Bit and, uh, you know, 2020 has happened, but I just got another blog out. So we're, we're shooting for a, a more consistent 2021. I love that. And I also, I can just imagine that your, your business, like, are you, it's so hard to find therapists and, and support right mm-hmm. now. It's what I'm hearing everywhere, um, you know, both for adults and for our kids alike. So um, how has your work been impacted? Maybe that's why there haven't been many blogs. Like, how has your work been right. impacted <laughs> by COVID? Yeah. Um, so back in March, we, you know, as soon as the schools closed here in Wisconsin, we went to all telehealth. And at that point, then we weren't seeing kids. Um which had a big impact. Um, I mean, we all have experienced the Zoom fatigue now, but providing therapy over any kind of televideo, um, it makes it a lot more difficult for us as therapists because so much of what we do is based on like the energy and the body language and just the feeling that's in the room and being able to provide a safe space for people. And when that gets kind of taken away, um, it's been challenging that, you know, every therapist I talk to, it's very, it's 
it's exhausting to be providing supports and holding anxiety for people when the support and anxiety they need is on exactly the same trauma that we're experiencing too. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, yes, the blogging and whatnot has gone to the back corner as I just do try to practice more of what I preach and doing some self-care and setting boundaries for myself. Um, In other ways, it is extraordinarily challenging also just, I mean, there's been such a high need and, you know, there's only so many hours in a day that anyone can offer. So yes, business has been booming and I am in a business where financially that works great, but on my heart level, I hate it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. We did, we did go back to seeing some in person and then again, this fall, we went to all telehealth with the exception of children. So we are still seeing children in clinic because, I mean, they need our neuro, they need our neurologies to be lined up in the room and you just can't do that very well over a screen. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but we're doing that with masks, which then, you know. Right. <laughs> Presents its own <laughs> set of challenges. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I just have to say like, I don't even know what I can say. Like, I wish I could give you a hug right now um, because, you know, I have many friends who are therapists right now and I, I know how much they are giving of themselves to support Mm -hmm. their clients and what an incredible need there is for the work that you all are doing and you're all living this too. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're taking time to to practice um, what you're preaching as much as you can. And uh, Mm. thank you for sharing all that. And yes, um, when I see you, I will give you a big hug. So we'll have to just (laughs) shelve that for now. Um, But what I would love to talk a little bit about today is, you know, specifically what's happening with gifted and two-week kids. I haven't talked about this population in the time of COVID. We've certainly talked about differently wired kids generally, but I do think that there are a couple of, you know, areas of consideration that are unique to gifted kids in terms of what's happening in the world right now, both, you know, cognitively and um, socially, emotionally, mentally. So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, if you could speak to a bit what you're seeing, you know, where do you see gifted and two-week kids particularly struggling right now? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to frame this within the broader conversation of this collective trauma that we're going through Um, in terms of we are all as a world um, experiencing existential threat in all of the areas that um, existentialism is concerned with. And so, you know, as I speak about existentialism, it's just those concepts of, um, What's the point of existence? Like those bigger questions. And, you know, when we think about it, there's four different areas that are existential questions. Um, Usually these are big questions that don't have very clear cut answers. Um, But the first question is the question of life and death. What does it mean to die? I mean, we have clearly a lot of death that's around us. So that is poking at that aspect of existential threat. The second is community versus isolation. Um, How do we feel a part of something and part of a group and make those connections? I mean, we're being asked to and COVID is demanding that we that we isolate, which 
is a really difficult thing for us to figure out and how to balance. And so that's one aspect of the existential stuff that's coming up. The, a third concern is the question of freedom, which mm-hmm. again, we can see that being played out within, um, I mean, I'm in Wisconsin. So as I said, before we started recording, like my state has made the national news and international news for not so great reasons. Um, Cause we see that concern of like, freedom when what determines how we're free who's free and just those questions of like is it a personal freedom to wear a mask or not and how do our freedoms infringe on the freedoms of the community and how do we balance those and then the fourth area is purposefulness and meaning and how do we create meaning and recognize what our own purpose is as we're walking this planet And so when we look at those, like all four of those are directly being pushed on this year and not just from the pandemic, but from, you know, the systemic racism that's bubbling up. And we know that at least 40% of adults in the first five weeks of of COVID um, identified that they were experiencing more mental health issues and more um, substance use. I'm certain that those numbers have increased. Domestic violence has increased. And again, in the first five weeks, it increased by 10% and in new households. Mm. So we're being hit in all of these big existential areas, which is traumatic for all of us. And when we look at then specifically our gifted, gifted individuals, whether kids or adults, we do know that existential questioning and existential depression is bigger and more prevalent in, in this population. And so... We have a time where all of these questions are being bubbled up for everybody. And then you have kids who were asking these types of questions before there was a threat to them back when they were even five, right? Like I've had five-year-olds come into my office before 2020 and be like, Heather, I don't really know what the point is. Like I wake up, I have breakfast, I go to school, and then I come home and I play and watch TV and go to bed. And then I lay in bed and I think, well, I'm just going to do that all over again tomorrow. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet, kid. I don't know. Um, so to have those minds that are already asking those questions and then to have direct threat to them, um, it's been really challenging for this population. And I certainly see, um, you know, all the things that we that you typically would think of when there's anxiety in our intense kids. Um, So some kids are literally afraid to go outside at all. And there's a lot of trying to help them have some, take some risk, which doesn't come easy to these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it is increased behaviors, um, increased aggression because their emotions are just so dysregulated Um, a lot of those questions of the purpose, a lot of depression and hopelessness. Um, I'm I'm hoping that's turning the corner as we start to get, you know, some bigger changes happening and vaccines and all of that. But they're, they're struggling. I mean, these kids feel things more intensely than the average person. And so all of the things that we are feeling, they are feeling at a intensified level. And some of them are 
cognitively able to understand what's going on, but emotionally um, at a younger developmental stage. So they can understand it, but they can't cope with it. And this is in a time when it's hard to cope with all of this anyway. Um, I mean, and then, you know, then also throw four or five intense people in a family in closed doors mm-hmm. <laughs> and like those intensities are going to be really bouncing off of each other right now. So yeah, it's, it's a rough time. It is. It is a rough time. And I, as you were walking through that life and death community versus isolation, freedom, purposefulness, and meaning, I was like, yeah, check, 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 check. Mm-hmm. And I had just read somewhere um, that gifted children experience a heightened awareness that is qualitatively different from the norm. And I think that that's something that we can just forget. And it's important. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're more intense or more sensitive. Like, it's a real thing, a way of interpreting, of experiencing. Um, A lot of these kids struggle with sleeping at night because they're just thinking about all of this and processing and that hopelessness that what are we doing here is really amplified right now. Yeah. And add to that the helplessness of it too. You know, I mean, we as adults feel helpless, but at least I could vote. Right. (laughs) Or, (laughs) you know, there's certain pieces that I can do just having the privileges of being an adult. Um, but these kids are, they're just kind of thrown into this and want to help, but don't have a way to help. Um, and honestly, you know, as parents, we are at the end of our limits too. So, you know, I'll be the first to admit that my little guy, so I have a 15 year old, a 12 year old and an eight year old. And, um, my daughter is in the middle. My other two are sons. My daughter has autism some other things (laughs) and it's two E and then my two sons are um, gifted as well. And my youngest um, has just pretty severe anxiety right now from some personal changes that are going on and from just this life that we're all living. And I'll be honest when it comes to his bedtime and he is having a panic attack and can't go to sleep in his own room, you know, I'm like, but I have, but I have less than nothing to give. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. Just go, let's go to bed. Right. And so he doesn't get the best of me either. And, um, you know, I say that not with any judgment of myself because we can't shame ourselves right now. We, you know, it is hard because their experiences are so much more intense and you're right. It's something that we, I mean, it, it's hard to keep ourselves in the perspective of other people. Um, so we forget about that. Yeah. And it's, you know, as you're talking about the bedtime, it's like that happens one night and then you're like, okay, got through that. And then it starts all over again. Right. So <laughs> right, it's an ongoing issue. It's not like we're, we're going to solve this or, or have one really great conversation right. or one great <laughs> meditation and then we're good to go. Right. Oh, shoot. You just dashed my hopes. Debbie. Oh, I was holding out for that one great meditation. <laughs> that was gonna. <laughs> if I find it, I'll let you know. Okay, please. <laughs> we'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. 
And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Clubs on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. So what are we to do? Like, what's some of the strategies or ideas or ways that we can be supporting our kids? You know, I've been talking just a lot about empathy right now, um, presence, lowering the bar. Um, What are your go-to strategies, either as parents or things that we can be supporting our kids doing themselves? Well, the first thing, probably like a broken record from everywhere, um, (laughs) is really to be taking care of ourselves as best as we can because we do impact the environment around us and our kids, our gifted kids and 2E kids tend to have an increased sense of empathy and they tend to feel the energy in a room. So they're going to feed off of where we're at and we're not going to be able to help them regulate if we're not regulated ourselves. So whether that looks like just taking a walk outside, whether that 
looks like putting yourself on timeout for five minutes. <laughs> and even though they're banging on the door, <laughs> like, you see the little fingers underneath the door, <laughs> you know, pl- plugging in and listening to a calm song. Um, I personally have created a lot of different playlists for this time. Music can make a huge difference in modeling to them how to set your own boundaries because our kids learn how to take care of themselves by watching how we're taking care of ourselves. Um, so set your own boundaries, both in terms of having those mommy or daddy timeouts. Um, but also in terms of like, it's okay to not pay attention sometimes, meaning to all of the news and everything else that's happening. I personally haven't actually watched the news for probably about 10 years. Um, and yet I still, you know, I still know COVID's a thing and I still was aware of when there were protests in my backyard and Minneapolis. And I mean, you still can gather information without having to engage in the fear mongering and the visual impact of the news. Um, so setting those boundaries for yourself, paying attention to what, what works well for you. Mm-hmm. And then that will help you again, be more regulated for, for your kids. And, um, and as part of that is really building and working on self-compassion as I kind of said, hopefully you heard my own compassion. Not that I want to not have energy to help my son through an anxiety attack, but when I'm less than perfect, that's okay. He just needs me. <laughs> and however I show up, while I want to show up as best as I can, there's going to be times when I'm when I can't because mm-hmm. I am human and I can't I can't be everything to everyone. So being self compassionate is really something that I have seen in my practice make the biggest difference in terms of mental health in general. And I use Kristen Neff's um, and EFS, her work on self-compassion and her definitions of it. And she has a book out, I think, called just Mm self-compassion. But what she, she describes that there's three different aspects to it. And one is mindfulness, being aware. We can't be compassionate towards something if we aren't aware of it. So whether that's being aware of something for somebody else or being aware of something for ourselves and mindfulness is, you know, being present in the moment without judgment. So that can be practiced through a sitting formal meditation, or it can be practiced just throughout the day. You know, every once in a while, as I'm walking up the stairs for the 500th time, I'll just pay attention to what it actually feels like to be moving my legs up the stairs, right? Or just take three deep breaths and pay attention to just check in with yourself of how you're feeling. What are you doing? Am I judging myself for that mistake that I made? And then the second component after mindfulness is recognizing our common humanity. So I know that I am not the only parent that has had a hard time being present for their highly anxious child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know this because I have the privilege of being able to see behind people's public selves in the therapy room. Um, but also because I just know humans and we're imperfect. And if we can remember that we're part of a collective and that our experience is unique, but it isn't isolated, that helps us with the third component of self-compassion, which is being kind to ourselves. And so responding to ourselves in a way that we would respond to a friend. I'll have parents come into my office and they'll be you know, berating themselves because they yelled at their child the night before. And I'll just kind of sit back and I'll be like, okay, well, let me tell you something. 
last night, um, I completely flipped out because the toilet clogged again and I yelled at them that they could only use three squares ever in the future. And then I may or may not have duct taped the toilet shut. And this may or may not be a true story. So, <laughs> and then I just like, okay, so let me have it. Like, tell me, cause if, if you should have social services called because you yelled at your child, like, I, I was depriving them of toilet paper. So, <laughs> and of course they will not say to me what they say to themselves. And so be thinking about what you would say to somebody else in that situation and then work on trying to tell yourself that. And I will do this verbally to model for my kids also. So I will, you know, I might say, Oh yeah, this lasagna didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Ugh, it's kind of uh, soupy. And then I might be like, well, you know, I remember that time I was at my mom's house and her hair is, you know, kind of overdone and it, I didn't love her any less. Like that just happens, you know, we can't get it right all the time. And then I'll say, yeah, so, you know, I bet it'll taste good anyway. And if not, we'll just cut it up and make a stew, right? So <laughs> I'll verbally do these things in front of my children so that they just can start to intuitively pick up on that and start doing it for themselves. And I can't think of a time when we need more self-compassion than right now. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up Kristen Neff. I had her on the podcast a while ago, um, but I'll have the link in the show notes because, yeah, you're absolutely right. That is just such a critical thing for us to be thinking and focusing Mm -hmm. on right now, if ever there was a time, uh, as you said. So thank you for walking us through that. And yeah, I'd love to hear if you have some more specifics. Yeah. So specifically with our children, um, I think the first thing after we're regulated and taking care of ourselves is to, to validate, 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 validate everything that they're going through. And as a therapist, that's easy for me to do in a room. <laughs> as a parent, that can be a little bit trickier because it's hard to watch our kids struggle. But if we can sit and just validate what they're experiencing and say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Like, you're really worried about this. And of course, you're feeling lonely because you haven't been able to connect with your friends. Um, And this might be coming from a kid who was just starting to make peer relationships anyway, right? Like, to really validate that, to validate their big existential questions of, you know, the five-year-old that's wondering... Uh, if the world is going to actually end instead of doing what we tend to do, which is just placate and be like, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. That's a grown up worry. Don't worry about it. These gifted kids, those are their real worries. And so to sit with them and have the conversations and help them learn to grow in tolerance of the unknown, because really these existential questions don't have an answer to them. So being, um, just sitting in that conversation, being like, yeah, this, this is hard and it's hard because we don't really know. And because we don't really know, I choose to have hope about it. And I choose to find joy in the day to day anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. As you're saying that validating the big existential questions I totally agree with that. And I know that I have at times joined right in on that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love that reframe. I I choose to have hope or, you know, I like to focus on what I can control and that kind of thing. But I think it's important too that 
sometimes because our kids, we almost treat them as peers because they may intellectually mm-hmm. be superior to us and um, mm-hmm. no matter how young they are. And I think that's important too, to make sure that we don't kind of jump in the bathwater with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that's where prioritizing your own wellness has to come first. Because when we can't do that, then we're more likely to jump into the bath with them, which, yeah, I'm not laughing about that because I've been there too. Where it's like, oh gosh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, or their anxiety feeds my anxiety and then my anxiety feeds theirs and mm-hmm. it goes and goes. And and I think that's, you know, how we interpret things is what determines how we're going to feel about them. And so if we because we don't have an answer to a lot of these things, we really do have the freedom to interpret them however we want to. So one of the ways that I personally have gotten through all of this um, is to really rely on Dabrowski's theory of positive disintegration, which talks about um, (laughs) that in order for enlightenment to come, in order for the next level of development to come, everything has to fall apart first Mm. and it has to be painful and it has to be anxiety producing because we can't do something new if we're holding on to the old. I mean, if ever there has been a disintegrating Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2020 has been it. (laughs) And yet I do, I have to believe that. And I know from my own experiences personally in the past um, and even right now, I know that it's setting the stage for good to come and, that provides us with some hope as we're going through the the disintegration and the discomfort and helps us focus on, okay, what are we going to do with this? Where are we going to move to next? This isn't the end of our story. And again, you know, like systemic racism, it had to bubble up like this. And it's probably going to have to bubble up more because again, I think, you know, enough time is gone. There's getting to be some complacency again. So it's going to have to bubble up again. And it's hard because for some people, it feels like that's a, a new thing, but it isn't. It's just shining light on what has already been there that we haven't been willing to do the work to fix. Mm-hmm. So having that mindset of we get to choose how we're going to interpret this. So I'm going to interpret this as this is a positive thing. And that doesn't mean that we're going to feel good about it all the time. Like we have to be willing to feel pretty crappy but in the long run, it's for our evolution. It's for our community's growth. It, it's leading us towards positive things. Yeah. And at a time when none of us feel as though we have much control over much of anything, especially our kids, you know, knowing that we do have control over our thoughts can be really powerful. Right. And that's something that, you know, we really need to teach our gifted kids and two e kids because their thoughts often are going 500 million miles a minute Mm -hmm. and they can think of all the different interpretations but there is a higher rate of anxiety among gifted adults so i have to i mean that's been studied so i have to assume that there's a higher rate among gifted kids which is what i see also Mm -hmm. um and anxiety like sends us to the worst case scenario as far as how we're interpreting something um So to model that and to help our kids choose how they're going to think about something is really helpful for them too, because it's hard to just come by that naturally. There has to be some intentionality with it. Well, yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking that a lot of gifted kids also have, you know, more than maybe the general population, more of a fixed mindset rather than a growth Mm -hmm. mindset. So there may even be more resistance around this idea that actually 
you can control how you think, you know, because uh, right. I think a lot of kids are like, nope, this is this is what's going on. It's subjectively true in my head. Therefore, right. you know, so there may be extra work to do there. Absolutely. Have you been talking to my kids? That's- well, I'm coming by this honestly in my own world. So yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, and I, it's actually some of my most fun teen sessions is when they're only able to see one option. Yes. <laughs> and and just kind of getting into that conversation with them and But it is possible then you're saying you're giving me hope. It is possible to create that idea that maybe there's another thing that could be true. It, it is possible. I think, you know, especially with our two E kids, if there's any autism on, as part of the second E, it, it it's an added challenge. But I do you know, one thing that helps me also is to remember that this parenting thing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so it's doing all of the work at whatever age your kid is at and knowing that it's going to take some years before we see the payoff, but it will come. And I, I have the advantage of having a 15-year-old. Um, <laughs> that sounded weird. I don't. It's not always an advantage <laughs> having a 15-year-old. <laughs> but, but somebody who... You know, I've been working on having more of this growth mindset, being able to see and and tolerate the grayness of life. And I do see the payoff of that. It's just we need to be persistent and remember we're doing this like slow marathon and we'll get there. But yeah, it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. We'll be right back after this quick break. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I'd love if you could talk a little bit about your workbook. I feel like it came out maybe two years ago now. Is that about Mm -hmm. right? So it's the Gifted Kids Workbook, Mindfulness Skills to Help Children Reduce Stress, Balance Emotions, and Build Confidence. And I've just 
been feeling like this book is more relevant now than ever before. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that book and how it can support kids with everything that we've been talking about today? Absolutely. Um, It's written to, mm, I'd say, seven to 12-year-olds is kind of who I was writing to. Um, It is written to the kids themselves. And it includes, I mean, it's a workbook, so it includes um, 27 or 28 activities um, that begin with a way where I provided information about what it is to be gifted. Um, A lot of times we throw that word around, but we don't ever explain it to children. That being gifted means that you're perceiving the world differently than the norm. Um, And in it, I cover... um, I tried to cover really all of the topics, clearly can't cover them all, Um, but that were really baseline as far as helping gifted kids feel well about themselves, feel okay with their differences, and and embrace that. Um, So there's pieces of just understanding themselves and their personalities in terms of the intensities. There's pieces of depression. um, There our activities about existential questions, perfectionism, anxiety, and then around peers and social support as well. And how do you, how do you make healthy social choices and engage effectively with other people? Cause that isn't always a top skill mm-hmm. <laughs> for our gifted and two week kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a parent's guide that goes along with it. That's online. Um, it's written so you could just give the book to your child and they could go through it. Um, I find it most helpful when parents and children go through it together. And I've heard feedback from a lot of parents that they've learned as much as their children. And it helped has helped them not only understand their children better, but also understand themselves better because whether we want to admit it or not, giftedness uh, comes from somewhere. <laughs> so most of us can usually relate to what our kids are going through too. So that's that's the book. I um, have really received very positive feedback about it, that kids are just understanding themselves better and coming to a place of acceptance um, and self-compassion towards themselves, which just makes my heart happy because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I wrote it for. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, before we wrap up, just wondering if there's, you know, for parents who are listening to this, who are worried about their gifted or 2E kids in this moment, worried that they're, you know, especially isolated, especially struggling. Um, You've shared so many good things to be thinking about, but is there kind of one thing you want to make sure they leave this conversation remembering or knowing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I might be slightly gifted and intense myself, so I'm, I'm going to Blur that a little bit and do two things. Okay, do it. <laughs> First is um, it becomes really easy to lose our playfulness and our joy. And so intentionally finding things that will have a higher likelihood of triggering joy, I think is crucial right now. So whether that's playing games, whether it's being silly and singing, you know, embarrass your kids <laughs> and <laughs> and it just find those ways, just one way every day where you can bring a sense of lightheartedness and frivolity and joy. Even if you're not feeling it totally yourself, like it's so important because we get so bogged down in all of the heaviness. 
that we forget to play. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is to be aware, you know, really, I think with good support and good guidance, our kids will make it through this. And I really firmly believe that they will come out the other side, um, stronger, more compassionate towards other people. And this life experience will be good for their growth. I really do believe that if you're seeing any more extreme signs of um, not coming out of their room or being extremely isolated and withdrawing, um, intentionally withdrawing for more than two weeks, if they're having trouble sleeping, if they're having, you know, chronic panic attacks, um, teach them now that it's okay to ask for help and to help them connect with a resource and a therapist that will keep them safe. Um, don't hide away from asking the tough questions. I've had to ask my own kids like, okay, have you thought of hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. All right. Have you thought of suicide? Um, because it, you asking that isn't going to make them think of it. Right. But if you don't ask it, they might not feel like it's a topic that they can talk about. So be willing to call in help um, and be willing to ask those hard questions and also take some breaks and just find fun. Thank you. This is, feels really great. I love your optimism. Like this is a hard conversation. And and I agree with you that that our kids are going to emerge from this. It's going to impact them. It's going to shape them, but they'll emerge from it in a way that, you know, hopefully they're going to take these lessons, whether that is more resilience or um, just leading their lives in a different way, a more intentional, conscious way. So um, I am hopeful about that too. And I love the reminder to intentionally trigger joy, like trigger always (laughs) seems to be used in a negative context. So I love, love that. So I wrote that one down. So Heather, let listeners know where else they can connect with you and check out your podcast and your occasional blog post. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's become more the occasional podcast, but (laughs) we're doing a fringy bit reboot, so we will get there. Um, Yes. So I occasionally podcast and blog at thefringybit.com and that's F-R-I-N-G-Y. And you can also connect with me through our practice website, which is bormancounseling.com and Borman is B-O-O-R-M-A-N. And yes, please do not hesitate to reach out. There's connections to um, either schedule a consult if you want something more formal or even just send me an email and I would be happy to help however I can. So um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with, with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of this and taking the time today. And um, we're recording this before the holiday, even though listeners will be hearing it afterwards. So I'm just going to (laughs) say, I hope you have a restorative, restful holiday. Thank you. You too. You too. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash tilt Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. 
Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.